Welcome, everyone, to the Tuesday edition of the Markets and Mortgages podcast. I, of course, am your host, Tyler Crawley. And just a reminder, this podcast now on every major platform that is Apple, Spotify, and Google, so you have no reason not to listen to the show. It's on every platform. And no reason not to give us a good five-star review so more people can find this awesome podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. So the big story on Monday was home builder confidence. Everyone was waiting for the numbers. And it was actually kind of one of the late number drops in the day. A lot of times things drop around 8.30, maybe 9. Uh, the home builder confidence index dropped at 10 o'clock. That's like halfway through the morning right there. So home builder confidence remains strong in May despite some concerns over rising commodity prices. This according to the National Association of Home Builders, Wells Fargo Index. And the in case you're wondering, the number in April was 83. Now, any number above 50 is strong. So 83, not too bad. Now, the HMI index gauging current sales conditions held strong at 88, and sales expectations actually rose 1.281. Now, regionally, we didn't see that big of a difference. Obviously, some places doing better than others, but the West, of course, still leading the way with an index rating of 90, followed by the South at 84, the Northeast at 82, and in the Midwest pulling up the rear at 75. Now, the NH or NAHB chief economist Robert Deitz said in a statement that low mortgage rates are keeping housing affordable despite rising costs, but it is having an impact on the behavior of builders. He said in a statement, quote, in recent months, aggregate residential construction material costs were up 12% year over year. And our survey suggests that those costs are rising further. Some builders are slowing sales to manage their own supply change, uh, chains, which means growing affordability challenges for a market in critical need of more inventory. Now, yesterday, We talked extensively about the inventory problem and how we need more homes to be built. And there's no doubt that builders want to build homes. But these rising commodity costs, it's a balancing act. I mean, they know that we are reaching a point where people are being priced out of the market every single day. Now, lucky for them, we have seen mortgage rates remain steady and in some cases actually drop. And so that is helping to keep more people in the game. But they know that rates aren't likely to remain low and it doesn't seem like we're going to see any drop in commodity prices. Now, that being said. We have seen some good data from the futures market, at least, with regards to lumber. It has dropped, I think, four days in a row, uh, lumber future contracts. So some are saying, hey, maybe we've reached the peak of this lumber boom that has taken place. But I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. There was a piece in the Wall Street Journal Monday morning that said that despite the lumber boom, no new sawmills are planned. Like you you would think. Laws of capitalism, laws of free markets that people need wood. Let's build salt. Let's build capacity at sawmills, build new sawmills in order to sell more lumber when the price is where it is. That's usually actually how you get a price to drop is more people get involved in the industry. However, sawmill owners, the people who currently own the sawmills, uh, say by the time they build a new mill and staff the new mill, the boom will be over. So they're looking at this and saying this is a temporary situation. 
Transitory, I believe, is the term that we are supposed to use when talking about economics. Transitory. So they don't think that the lumber boom is going to last. If they did, they would clearly be building new sawmills. So lumber may come back down to earth sometime soon, but other commodities have been rising and are trying to catch up to lumber. So there's no doubt this is putting builders in a kind of difficult situation. They want to build. And there's value in building, but they know that as we go forward, if housing prices continue to climb, which they should because of the inventory issues, and obviously they're going to try and solve that, it does matter what happens with with the cost. And usually we're looking at commodities. Labor has not gone up too much. So mostly we're talking about the materials involved in building a house and sort of what that means going forward. And builders are kind of trying to figure that out. I mean, if commodities continue to rise, it makes it that less affordable to build. So the fact that home building has remained strong, confidence is strong, that is a good thing. No doubt about that. Now, this should not surprise you, anyone that's been paying attention, um, at least for the last couple of episodes, or has followed the newsletter, knows that demand for mortgages has dropped. You can look at the weekly data that comes out from the Mortgage Bankers Association that looks at people who are looking to file an application to get a mortgage. Now, that doesn't always tell the story because as someone who works in the mortgage industry, I can tell you a lot of people start applications and then don't finish them. So you could have a ton of people asking for mortgage applications and then not finishing them. So what's a better way to look at these numbers? Well, obviously, completed mortgage would be a great way to look at it. But another good statistic is when people are are locking in rates because that means they've made it to the point in the process where they are getting close to, hey, this is gonna, this is going to become a reality because we're going to lock in that rate for you. And the latest data from Black Knight says that even though we've seen a slight rate drop over the last couple of weeks, loan locks in April fell to levels that we have not seen since the start of the pandemic. Now, the overall rate lock volume was down 11.3% in April compared to the month prior. Specifically, purchase locks were down 6%, cash outs were down 13%, and rate slash term refinances were down 20%. Now, April's volume was the lowest level that we have seen since May 2020. And that's really not all that surprising. As we just mentioned, people are being priced out of the market. There are people that just can't afford to buy a house right now. And the fact that there's no inventory out there, people are saying, okay, I give up. I can't even find a house. There's no point in moving forward. Now, Black Knight Secondary Marketing Technologies president, that's a mouthful, uh, Scott Happ said in a statement that this development was expected but that the ride may not be over either. He said, quote, rates are still hovering in a historically comfortable place with approximately 14.5 million homeowners who could still likely qualify for and benefit from a refi. It will be interesting and telling to see both how rates move in the coming weeks and whether or not we see refi volumes increase as a result, I mean, that's one of the things that, that always sort of astounds me is people who could benefit from refis and don't do it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's people. It's like, hey, you could be saving money. You could end up paying your house off quicker. I mean, however you decide that you want to structure it. Uh, we've talked before about how or at least in my newsletter 
I've written about how you know cash out refis are nowhere near the levels that we saw in 2006 and seven, which people would say is a good thing because people aren't sort of borrowing on the equity they built up, which is good in case there's a little bit of a correction in home prices. You don't want people to go underwater, but there are a lot of people out there that could benefit from refis, seeing lower monthly payments or, you know, like I said, paying their paying their house off quicker if they want to move to a 15. So it's fascinating that there, I mean, we're talking millions and millions of people uh, who are just unaware of this and the average rate is still below 3%. So we'll see what happens this week. I'm sure we'll be talking about it on Friday's show when the numbers come out from Freddie Mac for the week and see where mortgage rates are. But uh, yeah, not surprising that we've seen rate locks drop off and we're now at a level that we were before the pandemic. I mean, that, that kind of makes sense. You know, where things went, we were just not going to stay at that elevated level. It just wasn't going to happen. Now, speaking of mortgage rates, so mortgage rates are down and Clayton Jarvis over at Yahoo Finance says that while that's, you know, the, the pandemic has been great for mortgage rates because mortgage rates have dropped because of, uh, you know, what's happening with, you know, the Fed and what's happening with overall with regards to borrowing. One thing that has gone up has been property taxes. Like I said, Clayton Jarvis wrote over at Yahoo Finance, according to new data from Adam Data Solutions, U.S. homeowners have just been slammed with the largest average property tax hike the country has seen in the past four years. Now, he reports that homeowners in 2020 paid an average $3,719 in property taxes, which is a 4.4% increase just from the year earlier. Now, why is this happening? Well, it makes sense. Communities rely heavily on taxes paid by businesses. 2020 was not a great year for businesses. So as their revenue fell, so did local government coffers. They have to make up the difference somewhere. And so in a lot of places, we've seen property tax uh, hikes. But also, let's not forget that home values have gone up and your tax rate is based off of what your house is worth. And so while it's awesome, and that's why it's, it's always this very interesting game when you're talking about home prices, because like I've said before, they're universally celebrated as a great thing. But as we've said, that's not always good. I mean, if you're someone that's trying to buy first time and your income is kind of right there in the middle, if home prices go up too much, you might not be able to buy. So it might price some people out of the market. And then there are people who may no longer be able to live in the house that they're currently living in because of some of these changes, whether it's you know, not only property taxes, but let's say now your house is worth more. So your insurance has to go up. Uh, in fact, I was talking to a friend the other day who was telling me about that and how that's that's becoming an issue where people who have had their house insured for X amount of dollars. And since then, the house has you know, gone up 20, 30 percent. So now their insurance doesn't cover the house. And that's something that He told me that I should look into, so I'm definitely going to look into it. But this is the reality of the situation is that the costs go up as your house gets more expensive. Costs go up. Then there's no doubt about that. And of course, commodity prices are going up. So if you have to fix something in your house, it's going to cost more money. And so all of these go into home ownership. But one of those, of course, is property taxes. And people are seeing their property taxes go up. And it's because, yeah, businesses are spending a lot of money, in case you've noticed, and they need that money 
to be able to pay for all these services that they are now offering. Now, I don't want to end the podcast on a bad note. So should we talk about the study that came out that working long hours kills 750,000 people a year? Should we talk about that? No, we're not. We're not going to end it. No, we're going to end Fed Vice Chair Richard Clarita. I think I'm saying that right. Uh, It was reported. He said that U.S. economic growth could hit 7% this year. That's some great news. Let's hope that that's the case. Now, of course, the question that I would have is based on the latest data that we've seen, is that possible? We're still hearing very rosy predictions about tremendous growth this year, which I hope we see. I hope it happens. But you look at that jobs report from the last month. I mean, from this month, it was not good. I mean, I'm sorry. We're not going to hit 7% growth when we're adding 200,000 jobs to the labor force. When you have 8 million fewer people employed that were employed before the pandemic. We're just not going to get 7%. I'm not saying we got to get full employment back, those 8 million people back. But if we're barely creating 250, what do we have, 266,000? That's just not going to cut it. So, you know, I'm, I'm on board with this. I hope this happens. But you have to wonder how real and how likely, I should say, are these possibilities when you're seeing some of these reports come in that are a little underwhelming. All right, speaking of reports, as we wrap up the show, uh, today at 8.30, April's housing starts. Uh, That report's going to come out from the Census Bureau. So we'll be talking about that on tomorrow's show. But we are officially out of time. Don't forget, like, subscribe, write a comment, a nice one, preferably. (laughs) Give me five stars on one of the platforms out there that exist. And uh, we'll talk to you on Wednesday. This has been another edition of Markets and Mortgages. I, of course, am Tyler Crawley. And don't forget, do not wait to buy real estate. Buy real estate and wait.